Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Discover New Music podcast from us at Full Pelt Music. Shortly, we'll be chatting with Real Terms, who we featured over on our Discover New Music playlist with their single, Veil is Thinner. But before then, the usual reminders from myself. If you would, please do follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And finally, if you would, please do hit that like button hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening. Welcome, John, from Real Terms to the Discover New Music podcast. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on today. How are you doing? Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, doing well. Uh, looking at my uh, puffy, sallow face and wondering why I scheduled a morning Zoom call. <laughs> there you go. Got coffee, so hopefully that'll improve. Yeah, the coffee should help, definitely, definitely, and I've got one ready for myself as well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, absolutely delight to have you on. So obviously, as a tradition uh, with the Discover New Music uh, podcast, we've obviously already featured you on our Discover New Music playlist over on Spotify, uh, and the yeah. song that we featured was Veil is Thinner, uh, and we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. But again, traditionally, um, this podcast always starts off with the same feature. Um, it's designed, obviously, for people that perhaps aren't familiar with the band um, in question. So we always yeah. start off with what we call the origin story. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, what is the origin story for, for real terms? How did you arrive at this point in time? Um, I suppose, well, we've all been playing together um, in various projects for about 14 years now, I think. Um We've met in all the usual ways, mutual friends and mm. a few happy coincidences and all that stuff. Um, I guess the real term story essentially starts with our previous band, Vasco da Gama, um, which finished in 2014. Um, and then, well, we had a member leave, basically. And then the question was whether we kind of carried on doing what we were doing or whether we sort of scrapped everything and did something new, which is the way we chose to go. Um, and yeah, it took us a while to find our feet with that. I'd moved away. We were based in Liverpool and then I moved to London for a little while um, for a bunch of reasons. One of them was a bit of disillusionment with music and how that had all been going and stuff. Um, and then I did a few years in London, realized I was missing doing music. I went off and did something completely different and then, was sort of pining for music again a little bit. So then um, circumstances uh, led me to come back to Liverpool and then we sort of like went all in at that point on Real Terms, it felt like. So that was 2017. So that kind of yeah. feels like the proper start of Real Terms, really. And yeah. Like, uh, Dark Tangent that year, we put our first music out and stuff. So yeah, that feels like the start of the, the, the Real Terms journey proper, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, it does. But I love to hear that, you know, the journey that musicians have been on to, to arrive at the point where they're at. And we, we get to hear so many fascinating and different stories. And you know, there's some of them are, you know, uh, the usual sort of story. Yeah, we were all friends in school, started playing music or, you know, put an advert in a paper. Not that that happens much these days, but <laughs> yeah. social media, maybe. Um, but yeah, obviously, yeah, in, really interesting. Obviously, that sort of diversion away from music you took uh, and the move to London and everything. But, you know, I guess some might call it fate that you kind of found yourself back, you know, with, with your bandmates. Um, I don't know. I mean, well, we never we never stopped playing together. Yeah. 
but I think just I think I've moved away with the intention of like, oh, I'll be back, you know, every couple of weekends and we'll we'll write and stuff. And that just never pans out the way. Well, at least it didn't for us. It didn't pan out the way we mm. thought it would. Um, so yeah, it took me it took me moving back basically to sort of feel like we were fully focused on it. Um, yeah. And even you know, like we're in our thirties and life gets in the way and stuff, so we have to work it around that. But you know, yeah, yeah you you said it just there. Yeah, life does get in the way um, quite often with these things. So it's fantastic that you've you've been able to obviously uh get to this point obviously real terms um uh on the cusp of you know a big kind of push with your debut album in the pipelines um but we'll move on obviously to the single that that you put out ahead of uh obviously the album so veil is thinner um mm. again listeners you can check it out on our uh discover new music playlist or you can of course find it on all the streaming platforms uh Bandcamp and everything like that as well um, so what is the story of Vale is Thinner as, as a song? You know, how did that song come together for you and what, what's it all about? Um, so all of our songs start with us just kind of jamming, for want of a better word, really. Um, with Vale is Thinner, I remember thinking that we were going in a really kind of, um, going to a really kind of folky place. Our, our, Lenny, our guitarist, is a, is a, a huge folky place um folk guitar and banjo mandolin and stuff um so i think that's like that's creeping in more and more and i remember thinking that when we started with that kind of um uh like the guitar part in the verse and stuff i was like this is great it sounds like big thief who was some like a band that we all really love and then it's sort of i think over time it just became this thing where obviously there's there's quite a lot of kind of synth stuff going on which is down to our um producer david berger um and then like a, a sort of big a big sort of rock bit at the end which is one of the heaviest things we've done as real terms so it, um i think it probably encompasses a lot of the different things that we're trying to do yeah as a band quite succinctly i think um so yeah yeah musically that's where it that's where it comes from yeah and i guess that's one of the reasons you would have chose to you know put it out as a single ahead of the album because it kind of showcases the different elements of, of what you're doing as well i suppose yeah i think so yeah yeah excellent excellent obviously again you know we, we've really enjoyed it and uh listeners need to check it out something else they can check out which i always think these days really is just a lost art form is the video <laughs> for the song um and you know i was really chuffed when i thought well let's check out see if there's a a, a video for the track and i was like oh well, they've actually made an effort <laughs> you know the, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Can, um you know the, there's an actual video here tell, telling me a bit of a story so i mean how did the concept for the video come about well to be honest um so the video stuff like david our drummer is kind of the video guy in the band um that's sort of his department really and um the first video from the album for Frantically Wrong was like David's idea and he brought in a couple of friends of his that he's worked with on other video stuff, um, Craig and Chris, uh, to shoot that video for Frantically Wrong. And then when it came to doing one for Vale, we went back to Craig and Chris, or David did, and they basically came, you know, we said, we're thinking this, have you guys got any ideas? And they came back to us with this fully formed, you know, incredible idea, um, which um, which they just kind of went and did. And it felt quite, it felt really nice. It felt sort of proper because we'd always, you know, we'd always just made the videos. It would be us playing in some form, like the first video is or whatever. And you try and make it interesting in that way. 
and um yeah just felt very lucky that they kind of said yeah we've got this amazing idea do you want it to be your video I'm like yeah of course and <laughs> it, 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 i think it looks incredible and um yeah i think they did an amazing job yeah they certainly did it does look incredible and again listeners you'll be able to follow the links in the bio of the episode of this podcast to, to find that video and uh have a watch for yourselves um i say it is a bit of a lost art form um you know growing up in the sort of you know, late 90s early 2000s of course you know tv music tv was it was big back then so i grew up watching music videos but doesn't it's not really a thing now of course you've got youtube and everything um but yeah social media as well takes over and quite often mm. people want you know almost shorter you know clips and stories and all that kind of stuff rather than the you know three four minute video on a song um yeah. so i mean social media is such a massive part of the music industry these days which i think in some ways is very good in other ways very very bad um you mm. know when you're putting out new music obviously Val Val is thinner and obviously you've got this great bit of art um as the song and obviously the separate art the video and um you know how much attention do you like you know put into social media are you um you know one of the people that is sat there looking at the comments reading the comments or um do you almost try to avoid like looking at that what's your approach um well just to go back to what you said about the videos for a minute i think yeah. you're right about that and i think like i remember kind of getting a group of mates together at my friend's house the one friend who had mtv too yeah and we'd just sit there for hours and it, you know after a couple of hours you'd see the same videos again and again but you got to know like what the band members look like and yes kind of what like the images you'd have in your head when a certain song played or whatever because that you would sort of surrounded by it a little more whereas now you have to seek it out and i'm actually really bad at, at watching videos even by my favorite bands i'll listen on spotify or whatever mm. um and i don't really tend to seek videos out but when i do i'm always pleasantly surprised you know so, songs from records that i've loved like three or four years ago i'll be on youtube and a video for it'll come up and i'm like oh, i've never seen that video and it's yeah. great. like you get to know a little more about the band and like their sort of visual identity and stuff so yeah um so I think it's great to have that alongside like the music as well. Um, social media, yeah. Like I'm sort of the reluctant uh, social media person in the band and it's it's purely out of necessity. I mean, I would love to be one of those bands who didn't sort of need to do it yeah. if, if anymore. I don't know if, I don't know if anyone could afford not to do that. Um, and I think I've got a bit better at it. Um, yeah, my, my girlfriend works in digital marketing for a charity and she, um, yeah, she's given me a bit of coaching about the right ways to go about it and stuff. So I think we're getting better at it. I think the thing is like when you, I feel like when we have stuff to say, like when we've got yeah. shows coming up or we've got a record coming out like we have at the moment, it's kind of easier because you can say, this is happening, we're doing a thing, we're really proud of it, this is why we exist as a band kind of thing. I think it's in those sort of, in the quieter periods, yeah. it feels like there's an obligation um, to sort of constantly be putting out content. And that's what I don't, it's the spurious content that I don't yeah. like. Um, so that's what we try and avoid. I mean, we, yeah, in the past we've tried to do things that are sort of daft or funny and stuff, and I just... I. I don't know. I think if that's done right, it can be good. But if it's done badly, it can be it can be pretty. Yeah, difficult. if it's 
It was forced, I think. Yeah, it, it, people can tell. Yeah. It's just not really going to hit home, is it? But yeah, yeah. social media is, uh, yeah, in some ways, I say, really, really positive for the industry and helps. In other ways, it just, uh, yeah, is uh, dreadful. Uh, I've had to force myself through, you know, full pop music to to engage with it a lot more. Um, but yeah, it is. Yeah. It can be difficult. It's just different, I think. Like you know, it's for me. It's not a, whether it's better or worse. It's just different. It's just yeah. Um, it's less of a music's less of a communal experience now. It's something like you know, rather than watching Top of the Pops and you find out about music that way, or hearing you know, I used to listen to like Steve Lamarck and John Peel, yeah. stuff, teenager, and that's how I find out about stuff and and read magazines. Um, whereas now I think it's much more of a kind of individual personal thing. So you'll get into something and you'll share it on Facebook or you'll tell someone about it, but it's a much slower process. There isn't that yeah. kind of like um, communal impact, I don't think, as much anymore. Yeah, I agree. And it, it, I guess I, I'd link that back to like, you know, I was thinking when we talked about the music videos, um, it, I, I vaguely remember now Channel 4 used to premiere like new music videos. I, I vaguely remember um, Foo Fighters and Best of You staying up late at night because they were one of my yeah. big, you know, favorite bands going up to watch the premiere of that video. And obviously you don't get yeah. that event anymore yeah. with it. Yours is cooler than mine, because the one that <laughs> came to my head when you mentioned that was um, Robbie Williams' Rock DJ. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was a huge build-up to that video, because it's, like, yeah. it's like it's like a horror movie, and then it's obviously yeah. done skeleton and stuff. But yeah, same, yeah, I remember staying up and watching it. I was a, I was a huge Robbie fan in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, a lot of us secretly were, to be fair. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a Dang guilty it. pleasure, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, definitely, definitely. Um, so, yeah, obviously, we'll move away from social media, but not before, obviously, just pointing the listeners in the, the direction of where they can find you. So <laughs> you're on Instagram and Facebook at Real Terms and Twitter yeah. at Real Terms Band. Um, so, again, uh, listeners, you know, there'll, there'll be links probably in, in the bio of this episode um, and you can click yeah. through, but obviously you can have a search for the band there. And that's where you need to go, obviously, these days to stay up to date with everything uh, bands are doing. And, of course, you've got a lot in the pipeline that listeners need to be uh, keeping on top of. Obviously, we touched on you know, the main one coming up is the album. Um, so yeah. it's called Vantage and it's out on February the 24th. Um, you know, first question really on, on Vantage is, you know, for, again, those checking out this podcast that um, maybe aren't overly familiar with real terms, what should they be expecting from uh, the album? And I'm guessing, obviously, as you say, Vale is thinner is uh, a good indicator because of the um, you know, eclectic sort of genres on there. But, you know, um, how would you describe Vantage for us? Ah, uh, wow. Um, I think... Um... The kind of music we try and make, in my eyes anyway, I'm not speaking for the other two guys, but I think the the type of music I love is music that um, has something in it that's like instant, that gives you something straight away that makes you want to go back and listen to it. But then when you do go back and listen to it, you notice things that you didn't notice the first time. Mm. Um, so that, I think is musically what we're, we're aiming for i think so like catchy and catchy and complex i guess basically um, yeah so yeah that's what we tried to do and like the um the album itself kind of 
came out of lockdown in some ways and i think bizarrely enough we might not have got it done when we did in the way that we did without um the pandemic yeah because i think that made us um so our first ep housework which we put out in um put out invested interest in january 2020 um so we had uh you know there was nothing big going on but we had some shows planned and stuff um and it, as our first sort of physical release, that felt like it was going to be a big, a big deal and kind of, you know, kick us on a little bit. Um, and then obviously the pandemic happened. And I think broadly speaking, um, we were all, we were all pretty lucky personally um, during that time. Uh, and then basically once lockdown eased for the first time, as soon as we could get back in the practice room, we did. And I think it just made us focus a bit more we were like okay let's see what material we've got because we're sort of well sometimes kind of it takes us a long time to write and finish songs sometimes and um we'll sometimes have odds and ends of songs that are either abandoned or not formed or whatever so it made us kind of assess all that stuff and look at what we had and what we needed look at what we like what we wanted to do next and what we had and what we needed to do to get there so that was that was that's the album basically um so we started demoing just in our practice room and then we recorded it um with our friend dave in his studio in liverpool and um yeah a few months down the line we did some shows with delta sleep and they mentioned to us that they had a new label they were releasing on and would we be interested in working with them so we said of course um and that's kind of where we are now, I guess, in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, it, it is really interesting to hear these uh, stories uh, at the moment because, uh, I mean, obviously the pandemic was it was a horrible time for everyone. Um, mm. But I, I love to be able to, where I can, shine a bit of a light on some of the positives uh, it, that happened because, I mean, the music industry, as you say, was decimated. I mean, you know, historians, when they look back, I mean, January 2020 is going to be go down in history as one of the worst possible times you could have released some music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, opened opportunities that maybe weren't going to exist. I mean, a lot of you know larger touring bands that you know are part of a machine that is the industry, you know, said, "Well, actually, we never had time just to take a step back and look at what we were doing and be able to you know spend a bit more time in the studio." I mean, again, it it sounds like there was a you know opportunity that was sort of thrust upon you and obviously you've been able to sort of grab it with both hands i guess yeah i think so yeah. um and yeah i think we're, we you know i say we were lucky and i think part of that is that we weren't sort of um we weren't really established as a live band at that point so we weren't relying on gigs um certainly for any income or really you know like i said we had to cancel a few shows but that wasn't really you know compared to the number of tours that were cancelled and stuff, you know, again and again. I actually work um, in the touring industry as well. I work as a tour manager. So that meant that all my work disappeared, which was rubbish. But um, it just meant I had all this time. Yeah. Um, and, like, the time is just really important if you want to get this stuff done. You know, you can't... We, we tried working it around, you know, full-time jobs and yeah. lives and kind of can't really do it and we all freelance now 
which has its own challenges because we you know there's still there's still workarounds that need to happen um but yeah i think we're in a good spot now and it, it just sort of it made us it made us reassess it made me focus a little bit more and kind of um i think recently i've been looking back at like how i used to do things in music and stuff and i used to i think i used to sort of think that if you just made good music that it, it, you would eventually get where you had to be and it felt like with our old band Vasco de Gama, that's kind of what was happening for a while so i was like oh great this is this is true this is how it works and then for a few reasons we lost momentum and then it all just went away and even when we when we when vasco became real terms i think i sort of took for granted um i had an idea of how easy it would be having built up some momentum with the previous band i thought that would be kind of a seamless transition but you know you change the name you go away for a couple of years and yeah that was just not there anymore and i think i was sort of underestimating um the value of sort of treating it like work um yeah not in a negative sense but sort of no. making it making it part of what you do and who you are um which i think i think to a lot of people is just obvious it's the way you do it but i think for, that was a that was a kind of realization for me and actually the album title vantage is kind of to do with that as well about like um perspective you know what your perspective is on things and how that dictates how you go about things basically i think yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, really interesting uh, to hear that. Yeah, certainly. Um, and um, obviously, you touched on um, touring and live music, which leads me nicely on to you know the next sort of question I've I've got for you, which is based. You know, you've got a tour coming up, um, which is you know always great. Um, and obviously, the industry's back open again for business now. Although obviously, there's different struggles now. Obviously, lingering effects from the the pandemic but of course you know cost of living crisis is uh brexit doesn't help it's obviously difficult to for bands to get out but you've got a tour coming up um and you know, listeners again can follow you on social media uh, and find the dates uh, find a local show but you've got uh, nottingham bristol brighton manchester and uh, liverpool over the next sort of uh, couple of weeks coming up um so i mean again uh, what what is a real terms show like you know what what are you trying to put across with with your live shows um we've always we've always been a live band primarily um and i think nowadays we're sort of doing more in the studio than we used to so there's extra stuff um in the in the sound which sort of may or may not be there in the live show you yeah. know, we have to pick and choose what kind of it's you know it's three of us guitar bass and drums and our drummer has a sample pad basically so it's about what what we can incorporate what david can hit and trigger at the same time as playing the drums yeah. and what sounds musical rather than like you know something that he's playing rather than just like triggering a track or whatever which we're not that interested in doing i don't think um but i think yeah what hopefully what we um you know if there's anything lost in the in the arrangements that's kind of made up for in the energy and the kind of i think the, the communication that we have together and um and our our relationship as people i think hopefully is what comes across we still you know we we we're best friends and we love each other and we love playing together and hopefully that's what comes across as well um is kind of like the joy of that I often think that on stage I'm spending too much time looking at 
those two and not enough time looking out front where I'm supposed <laughs> to be looking. But maybe I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's fine. I don't know. No, that's beautiful. And and yeah, as as a regular gig attendee, you can tell you know the bands that are perhaps you know phoning it in, or the ones that actually want to be up there. They're enjoying their time up there with their bandmates and with the audience, and obviously just makes yeah. it more of a communal kind of experience than just a show that you're watching. Yeah. It can vary, though. I think, I mean, certainly when I was a teenager, I was in a band where, like, energy was everything. And it was almost like it was more important to sort of look like you were rocking out the hardest above even, like, playing your parts correctly and stuff. <laughs> Which, like, um, I think energy is important. And, and it it used to be the way if I ever saw a band who weren't doing that, I'd think, oh, these guys are fakers. You know what I mean? Like, what, why, what are they doing this for? And I think over the years I've learned that, like, that's that's fine um i think it is as long as it rings true basically i think the worst thing is when um bands kind of feel like they probably like i was in the old days bands feel like they have to mm. be putting that energy out and it's not necessarily genuine and there's not conviction in what they're doing i think that's always quite transparent and, and not not good to watch basically so i think as long as you know whatever you do on stage if it rings true i um I don't know if you know the band Preoccupations. I haven't actually, no. They're a great sort of like uh, yeah. post-punk band from Canada, but they don't sit, the, the stage is like completely dark. I mean, it's really dark music anyway. And they don't say a word to the crowd. They don't really move around that much. The drummer's kind of crazy, but the mm. other just like for them. But it's, it's, but the show doesn't suffer for it, I think, because they're, they're just, they're putting out something that, that makes sense with the music they're making. Um, yeah. So yeah, so whether you're throwing yourself around, I don't think matters. I think it matters where, you know, what you what you feel and how you feel on stage. I couldn't agree with you more. Certainly, definitely. And um, again, the you know, listeners, great opportunity to be able to get out and, and check real terms out and, and see that for yourselves. Um, obviously, five shows coming up in the next sort of couple, or, or you know, in the weeks following the release of the album. Obviously, on the twenty fourth of February. So I, I'm assuming that's also a great opportunity for for fans to be able to hear some of the new uh, material live as well yeah it'll be mostly stuff from the album um yeah a couple of couple of oldies i guess we can call them now um, yeah. uh but yeah yeah and i think i think the sound has changed a bit i think we're sort of letting loose a little bit more at the start of real terms there was definitely a conscious i think because our old band had been very much like kind of everything all the time very kind of in your face sound which you know which we loved and still love but um we we experimented a bit and started real terms with with like holding back and sort of um yeah trying to put out like a sort of gentler energy i suppose mm. um with varying varying degrees of success i, I would say looking back um but yeah the, the the new stuff's definitely more like we're just leaning we all grew up on rock music and we're sort of just leaning back into that i think it's like sort of sitting back in an armchair yeah it's <laughs> where we all kind of, where we all feel most comfortable um uh yeah and it's fun yeah and, and that's always the most important thing isn't it uh to be able to have fun um and yeah. that yeah but for yourselves uh as the you know uh musicians and artists uh, and obviously the listeners as well at a show so um Sticking with the live theme, the the 
sort of last big portion of the podcast that we have is called set list science and we always follow the sort of live discussion uh with this portion um so i'm a massive set list geek again like you know regularly attending gigs i can see the artists that put a bit of effort into it rather than just going yeah we'll just play like the same set list every night and um obviously not ever really change it up and uh anything like that so how much importance do you put into the structure of a set list um, and have you got any rules that you try to follow? Um, we actually had this conversation last night because we were <laughs> in rehearsal writing the set for these album shows. And I think, um, yeah, we definitely want to mix it up because there are songs, certainly the new stuff that we haven't, I mean, there are songs from the album that have been in the set for a while, um, you know, since before we recorded the album and there's stuff obviously that we haven't really played that much live. Um, we don't really have a system. I th we definitely think about it, hmm. um, but it often comes down to uh, guitar tunings. So Lindy will have two or three guitar tunings, so we'll say, oh, this will sound great after this, and he'll say, oh, it's a bit awkward for tuning. Like, you know, he, he's, he's, he doesn't have a veto or anything, but he's just yeah. kind of just aware there's going to be like a dead, you know, that tuning break that everyone who goes to shows is, is familiar with, which, is, again, is something we've had to learn to sort of um, be comfortable with. I think like it's something you see a lot with younger bands and we did it in the past where there's a bit of silence and you feel like you have to fill it with chatting and I, I don't really think anybody wants that at a show and yeah I, I don't know unless it's like the favorite artist or something but nobody wants to hear us talk shit um so but I think that's but we you know, we sort of fill the silence with, with loops or with just some noise a bit of jamming or whatever just something anything but talking um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah so we yeah we definitely think about it and i think um we haven't really played enough shows with this material certainly like in a row to be able to figure out exactly what works and there are certain defaults like you know we'll default to playing um either our sort of most popular or our biggest sounding song last in the set yeah and, um but for, you know, for, from from my work in touring as well, there's been a, a change in that I think because a lot of artists, and it makes sense, will kind of base their set to some degree on what their streaming numbers are. So, yeah. like, the song that has the most streaming will be the last song because that's the one most people want to hear, which I think always happened. But now you've got like hard, cold hard figures to to back it up and stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. We'll we'll probably we'll just mix it. I think generally we choose like an opener and a and a closer, and then certain songs like to sit together. Yeah, where it's like the same key or like the same tunings or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, there's no set system, but we'll yeah we're gonna try and mix well, it because we're not gonna be able to play everything every night that we want to play. No, so no. then you have to sub stuff in, and then there's the chat about what you drop, and everyone's always got different ideas about that. Of course, yeah, making um, songs for the song rather than <laughs> the part that you like playing. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a common one. So yeah, yeah, we'll mix it up. Yeah, and I love that. Obviously, you touched on obviously with all this new material coming in that you know you'll see how it kind of works out. And, and for me, there should always be an element of trial and error. You know, like what works where. Uh, do you find yourselves you know paying attention, especially when you're playing like the newer material, paying attention to the audience reaction to see how it goes down, and then maybe adapting it in the future to see if it oh actually it would work better after this song or in this position on the set list or um i don't remember ever being conscious of like 
of that being based on the order of things, I don't think. Mm. It probably is, I guess. But I think certainly you notice some songs going down better than others. Sometimes you, the song that you think is an absolute slammer just doesn't yeah. really touch and you kind of think, okay, maybe it's not as good as we thought or, or the opposite sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, audience reaction is important. Obviously, you only you only get that from, from playing shows. It, it feels a lot different. I think the other thing to remember is that, like, nobody ever hears your own songs the way you hear them and no one will have no one's ever going to scrutinize them as much as we have in writing and arranging and recording them so i think it's easy to put too much importance on it easy to sort of project your own feelings about the song that you're like deep inside of and you've like slaved over for years it's easy to project those feelings onto like audience members or whatever or have preconceptions about what they're going to think of a certain song like Oh, this song's too heavy for this audience, or whatever you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like I, I don't think I've ever been to a gig, even by bands that I love, and thought, oh, they shouldn't have put that song next to that song. Hmm. Um, but but maybe some people do. I don't know. That's great. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, no one's ever. You're you're never gonna truly experience your music from outside of your music so I yeah think it's, you can't second guess it too much yeah and that's a really actually yeah insightful and and useful um sort of uh topic to end on because i've not you know in all of the podcasts we've, we've had and asked these sort of questions that's, you're the first person that's kind of brought that point up and it makes a lot of sense really yeah like you say you've spent it's so much time and energy you've put into it and worked on it um yeah like the listeners yeah never ever gonna have that they'll have their own connections to the song but they're never gonna have that same connection that obviously you would have and um yeah, yeah no yeah really fascinating really fascinating so um yeah love this this portion of the the, the podcast because it uh always say so tickles me as a uh geek for set list anyway <laughs> so um yeah but yeah no you know really really interesting so obviously you know listeners there's a lot coming from real terms um in the coming weeks um obviously you can check out Vader's Finner on on our playlist um you've got the album Vantage coming out on February the 24th and of course you've got that run of dates um it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you John uh, what would okay. be your final message for the listeners today a lot of pressure oh, <laughs> a lot of pressure on this <laughs> um, yeah no, I, no a message no I don't have one I don't have one I've actually I've I've been struggling to talk about lyrics on this album because, um, because uh, I haven't usually I found myself writing mm. about things that I never really thought I would write about like politics and stuff, and I think the reason I'm uncomfortable talking about it is because I don't really feel like I'm qualified to or like I don't think people are interested in what I have to say about these things. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. No, no no message just yeah no. Check out the i music. mean it's good. I like yeah it. i mean i would say you know we're all qualified to talk about politics because we're all human beings living our lives and it, it affects us That's but it. it is yeah. one of them yeah. divisive like subjects especially in music it seems like whether you can touch on that kind of thing or not and the effects yeah. it can have but but yeah but that's yeah that's that's my thing you know yeah that's that's my issue with with yeah sort of, um with uh 
yeah, feeling like I'm saying exactly what I want to say and it being interpreted in the right way and stuff. But that's, you know, you've got no control of that. So. Exactly. That's, uh, you know, modern life, unfortunately. So, I mean, my final message for listeners is definitely to, you know, check out the album when it comes out, stream it, uh, or preferably buy it. Um, and again, we'll have, have the links through to the, the band's uh, socials and website and everything in the bio for the for this episode. So, it, you know, if you've enjoyed listening to, to the track on the uh, playlist, if you've enjoyed listening to our chat today on the uh, podcast, please do, you know, check out the album, headlong to a show um, and, and and support, you know, a fantastic band, uh, Real Terms. So I'm sure there's great things coming from in the future. So again, all I can say is, yeah, thank you very much, John. Thanks again, family, man. It's been great. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I really do hope you enjoyed that chat there with Real Terms. Make sure you check out their single, Veil is Thinner, over on our Spotify Discover New Music playlist. And of course, do follow the band on social media to stay up to date with everything coming from them. You can also follow Full Pelt on social media. We're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And finally, if you would, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, whatever you're watching or listening, because we'll be back very soon with another episode of the Discover New Music podcast.